When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. No one. What's up, Gator Nation? Welcome into the latest Gators Online show. Zach Albaverde and Nick Del Torre here. Nick has made it back alive from Nashville. Uh, how was the bachelor party, sir? Bro, great time. Um, shout out to all my guys that, that showed up. Uh, a little cold. Um, <laughs> a lot of yelling and singing. Uh, but a great time. And... Uh, that's the way to do it. Uh, I don't know why sports sports betting isn't uh, legal everywhere, but uh, we we had thirty two games on Friday and Saturday. Uh, Sixteen. Good time more. to be in Nashville. Great time. I think everyone won money. The whole house won money. Um, so it was a good weekend. Snowed yeah, I, on the way out. Ooh, nice little way to send you home. Yeah. Probably the reason why you're a little down. <laughs> Heading out first couple of days this week. Um, but the Gators were not down. They're back on the practice field after spring break. And we got to see Billy G back out there for the first time. He has officially been announced as the receivers coach, as well as uh, Russ Callaway. He's officially been announced. So we will get into spring break, or excuse me, spring practice this, uh, this week. We'll also speak to the Gators team physician, Dr. Kevin Farmer, who was named SEC Team Physician of the Year this week. So we'll uh, talk to him about that honor and also about his job with the Gators. Uh, we're also going to hear from the Florida quarterbacks for the first time this spring on Saturday. So Nick and I will discuss what we're looking forward to uh, hearing from those guys. And it's a big recruiting week as well. Florida's going to have DJ Lagway in town, uh, Jeremiah Smith, the nation's number one wide receiver or five-star commit for Ohio State. So uh, there's a ton going on. Portal action, baseball, Florida's killing it. And obviously shout out to the uh, UF gymnastics team. Another sweep for them. This is the second straight year that they've uh, swept the gymnastics title. So we've got a lot to get into on today's show, Nick. But uh, let's start with the uh, football team, which is back on the practice field. And uh, I think that folks in the media could hear Billy Gonzalez before they even got on the grass, Nick. He he, he was that loud. Yeah, he. Um, I put it in into some of our uh, our insider note last week. He certainly was more animated and 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 louder than he was, you know, the pre his in his second stint <laughs> um, <laughs> with Dan Mullen. Um, but yeah, I, I think this is a great hire. Um, the big question with Billy in his second stint, obviously, he was the recruiting coordinator for part of the time with or with Urban Meyer. Um, so. He has been a great recruiter, and he has a long track record of great players and guys in the NFL. Um, I think the biggest question with him was, okay, well, uh, his recruiting was bad, and that's why the wide receiver room is bad. There's no question about Billy Gonzalez's uh, X's and O's and what he's able to do um, You know, once you get guys on campus. And now I think with NIL um, – that's going to do a lot of the recruiting for your school and for sure. your coaches. So uh, if Florida can get NIL right, Billy Gonzalez is going to get his players right. Uh, and, and I think his tracker speaks for itself. The, the reactions that Van Jefferson, 
Josh Hammond, Kadarius Tony had uh, when we broke the news last week um, speak for themselves. So I think this is a great hire. Um, and, and maybe, you know, getting a chance, listen, no disrespect to Marshall. Uh, but when Billy Napier called and, <laughs> and Billy Gonzalez is sitting in West Virginia <laughs> thinking, man, I have national championships and now I'm the receivers coach at Marshall phone rings. Yep. Nope. Don't worry, Billy. I'm on plane tickets already purchased. I'm on the way. That happened probably about as quick as Austin Armstrong coming to Gainesville. Um, we got to hear him mic'd up for the first time this week. You guys saw that video just now. And obviously, he's part of that new dynamic in the secondary, Nick. Uh, you know, him coming over as the linebackers coach from Alabama, some thought that, hey, maybe he'll coach that spot. And Jay Bateman, who has coached safeties for, you know, a good portion of his career, might slide back to that spot. But instead, sure. uh, we found out as these kind of coaching – uh, shakeups were happening that Corey Raymond, in fact, was going to get the whole secondary. And he's now in charge of that. And uh, I, I, we got to hear from him this week and, and about that new dynamic and his job promotion. He was basically like, hey, nothing's really changing other than I'm just working with the safeties more. Right. Making I mean, more he, money. Yeah, that that too. Hey, uh, the that paychecks contract, are changing, Corey. Yeah, that contract extension as well, which was uh, broke at on three this week. Uh, that, that he's got till 2025, but there is a little bit of a new dynamic in the secondary, right? Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Because um, last year, Corey just had the cornerbacks. That was the only position that he worked with. And Tony had not only the safeties, but he also worked with the nickels as well. Now, that basically was going to be shuffled up this year had Patrick Tony stayed on as the D.C., Corey Raymond was going to be the secondary coach. He's going to work full-time with the corners and nickels and then basically split safety duties with Patrick Tony, who was just going to basically oversee the entire unit. And that's exactly what Austin Armstrong has come in to do. He is now working with the safeties in some capacity, uh, but it, this is basically Corey Raymond's show. And I think the players are excited about it. Certainly the fans are excited about it. And uh, we got to hear from – the goat himself about kind of where his uh, secondary stands this week. And I think it's starting to take shape, Nick. Yeah. Um, and, and you can see a lot of Austin Armstrong is spending most of his time um, with the safeties. He, he floats around, which is something I like as a defensive coordinator, kind of get to see everything, every position practice, but he spends a lot of the time, at least when we're out there during our 15 minutes um, with the safeties. And, and I think this cornerback's room has a lot of potential to um, to be really good. Uh, obviously, you have Jason Marshall, who returns. Um, I, I really like Devin Moore, who is still in a non-contact jersey after a shoulder yeah. surgery, but I really like him a lot. Uh, and then you've got guys like Sharif Denson. Um, Jakeem Jackson is someone who, on three, we watched him rise up our rankings. Uh, I think Corey Raymond kind of giggled, uh, laughed to himself <laughs> about that. Like, yeah, y'all were late. Yeah. <laughs> 
because uh, <laughs> he, he, you know, Corey Raymond was watching him when he was a receiver and thought, ah, this kid could play corner. Um, so I think that's another guy that could play early. Uh, yeah. And then Miguel Mitchell and, and, and Kamari Wilson are, are two guys in the back end. And um, after them, like the, there's really no experience in that safety room. A lot of young talent, um, but they're green, green behind the ears. Yeah, and you know, let's let's say it. I mean, Corey Raymond basically started the Miguel Mitchell hype train this week uh, by coming out and saying that this guy is going to be potent at safety, and that he reminds him of guys that have played on Sunday. Now, Corey Raymond does not say a lot. Very quiet. He does not, yeah, he's he, he, he's he does not go out of his way to really hype up his players. Thoughtful. Um, and it's not like he was beating on his chest for Miguel either. He's very subtle with what he said. But if you read between the lines, um, he, you know, he said some things that that make your eyes jump at, at what Miguel Mitchell could be at safety. Now, remember, this is a guy who made his first career start last year at star. And that was, you know, Trevez Johnson's spot. He started nine of the final 10 games, except for South Carolina, where Mitchell got the nod. And he also played some safety as well last year. Now, with Trevez Johnson moving on, you thought, well, Mitchell started there last year. Now, does he take over as the star? Come to find out that, no, it's going to be somebody else. And now we got Mitchell really repping as the first-team safety along with uh, Kamari Wilson, where the Gators lost both of their starters at that, at those two spots as well with uh, Trey Dean and Rashad Torrance. So, Corey Raymond said that, look, safety is Miguel Mitchell's position. He's got a chance to be really special there. And let's be honest, Florida needs him to because they have not got great consistent safety play the last few years. And if Miguel can be that guy, uh, that would be huge for this defense, huge for the secondary. And it would also be big if Jaden Hill can be that guy at star because now he has moved from cornerback where he started nine games last year and returned from that injury to the nickel spot. And as Florida fans know, Ever since Chauncey Garner-Johnson moved on to the NFL, the Gators have not been able to get a guy there that was a star for the star. And I think it's seven different players that have started there now since Chauncey Garner-Johnson. Trevez Johnson was recruited specifically for that spot by the previous staff and just never really kind of blossomed at that position. And now we'll see what Jaden Hill can do. But uh, you know, if you take Corey Raymond at his word, he thinks that it's a spot that Hill can prosper at. Yeah, and listen, Chauncey didn't want to play that spot initially. No, um, nobody, nobody wants to play it because it's the hardest spot. Brian Poole didn't want to play it, and my guy played eight years, seven years in the NFL. Um, got paid very well to be to be a nickelback, and, and I yeah. think as the rules change and as offense changes in football, that's not a gadget position anymore. That's a starting position. Teams come out in a nickel base on defense. And if that's not your base defense, the offense is going to dictate to you that, okay, well, you need a nickel on the field unless you want a linebacker covering our fourth receiver. Yeah. Um, so it, it, it's it's a spot that I think the, the thought is changing on it for defensive players. Everyone wants to be, you know, that Daryl Revis, that, that, that guy out on an island, um, but it, there's a lot of money to be made inside. So I think this could be a good move for Jaden. And I think I said it on the show last week, if you can get 
Jason Marshall, Devin Moore, and Jaden Hill on the field at the same time, that's a really good secondary in my eyes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that that's, a, that's, and that's obviously what they're, they're trying to do. Although I will say, and this will be something interesting to monitor, especially if there is one difference with uh, Patrick Tony and Austin Armstrong, I think we know that Patrick liked to play defensive backs, right? Five DBs on the field, six DBs on the field. He was all about it. I do think that Austin Armstrong, with his linebacker background, um, there may be times where the Gators only go with four DBs. I think that there's times where they may not use a nickel. And sure, like 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 third and one inside the five. But I know, but I <laughs> I mean just in general, like a whole game plan where they just they just don't even have a nickel out there, and they've done that before. Uh, it wasn't. Him, it wasn't the last DC. It was the one before that uh, that shall not be named. But Jaden Hill, who Jaden Hill still played for, Jaden Hill, yes, my guy, has right. played for thirty-seven defensive coordinators. <laughs> that's right. Um, but after the Gators just got embarrassed defensively um, in two thousand and twenty-one against LSU in Baton Rouge, a forty-nine to forty-two loss, they benched Trevez Johnson. And for their final six games, they played four defensive backs uh, in five of them. And the only time that they used the nickel was Jadarius Perkins against Sanford. So I, I am interested to see if if there is some different lineups that uh, Armstrong puts out there or just some different ways that he uses Florida's personnel. Um, but it does seem like we have a good picture of where the secondary stands. You know, we, we, we know it's Wilson and Mitchell at safety now. Hill's competing with Perkins at that star spot. Obviously, Jason Marshall is cornerback one, and Corey Raymond basically said as much this week. And then you got Jalen Kimber and Devin Moore battling it out for cornerback two, right? And uh, I still think that they need more depth at safety, and we both said it, Nick, but I, I think that that's a spot that they got to hit in the portal. Mandatory. Mandatory one. Would like maybe two. Um, I think you, I listen, um, we'll go off on a little tangent. Um, you, you probably need seven dudes from the portal. Like, and I'm not, I'm not trying to tell you or tell people listening that the team is trash, but like there are glaring holes. Safety is a glaring hole. You only have three scholarship quarterbacks. You need to hit another quarterback. You probably need another outside linebacker or um, another outside, excuse me, outside edge. linebacker, edge yeah. linebacker for sure. But you need another outside receiver too. This team needs a lot of help before the season. The portal will open uh, May 1st through 15th. As Billy Napier uh, corrected me when I, when I asked him, he said that's that 14-day window doesn't mean they have to cram all of their stuff in. And now, to a certain degree, yes, you should be cramming your stuff in. I think we looked at, um, when we looked at the portal the last time, guys were committing to places by the time bird Cheryl was following them on Twitter. Um, yeah. Or by, by the time Billy was following them on Twitter, it's like, Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price. Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas city, go Kevin or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. 
Listen, there's some tampering going on. Uh, and whether you know you think your team's doing it or not, guys are hitting the portal and 24 hours later going to a school. Um, smells a lot like tampering uh, to me. But you, you kind of have to act quickly, especially if it's going to be a condensed window. Um, so I think Florida has a lot of positions that need, if not complete overhauls, um, need help depth-wise. And then we had a question last night, Zach, from one of our members. Well, do you think that they're only looking for depth at quarterback? Because you need you want four on scholarship. And, I, and my thought is, if you have a guy that can start, you're not going to say, ah, you know what, we're pretty committed to, to the quarterbacks that we have right now. So, no, no, don't come to our school. No, 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 that's not the case. Um, you try to get the best player available. And if that best player available comes in, this head and shoulders above Graham Mertz, <laughs> sorry, Graham, things yeah. have changed. Um, but right now you're, you're in a position where I think at least five different position groups need an influx of talent from the transfer portal. What spots will you feel? Do you feel like mandatory? Uh, no, 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 no. What spots do you feel like they're good at? Obviously punter. We know that. That that goes without saying. What Hunters are the other people too, baby? I mean, they don't need any more running backs. Running back is set. Um, they don't need any slot receivers. Uh, I mean, you have Eugene Wilson coming with, with, in. Yeah, with Ricky back and Ricky's Trey back. coming in. Um, if you if you could get, I think that's a position you probably recruit more than you would you would try to get someone from the transfer portal. Um, I think you're okay. You're fine at offensive line. You don't need. I mean, you just got three guys from the transfer yeah. portal. First go around. I don't think you need another one. Offensive line, though, is a position where, you know, a torn pec, a twisted knee, um, a guy goes down. And now, all of a sudden, you feel a lot worse than you did before that guy went down. So you could always probably use offensive linemen. Um, I think maybe an in interior defensive line. I, I mean, I love Chris McClellan, Cameron Jackson. People are raving about him. Um, Des Watson, what can can you get him and in, in his mindset and his weight correct? Um, I, I think that's another one. You know, uh, Chris Rumpf, who will be here for the coaches clinic, said Rump shaker. He learned he learned at Alabama those guys have one gas tank and you don't refill it at halftime. Like once that <laughs> gas tank is done during a game, it's done. Um, so you could always use another defensive lineman. You're um, not putting that truck back on the road. Yeah, and unless somebody really really good. Uh, linebacker wise pops into the portal. I think you're you're fine there um, yeah, right now. That. I'm starting to see Jaden. I'm starting to see Jaden Robinson work with the twos a lot, um, and, and that's great to see as an early enrollee freshman. Um, I st we still need to check. We might have to call somebody who covered high school Zach because Billy Napier said he scored a touchdown in seven straight weeks or something like that his senior year as a linebacker. Um, we need somebody to check on that. My man Jordan Kroger, he covered him. Um, he covered him for the Lake City Report. I'll have to ask him if that's a that's a legit stat. Um, I think Florida fans will be happy if whoever starts at quarterback can uh, open the season with touchdowns in seven straight games. Um, remember that was a whole storyline with Anthony Richardson, how he no. had a touching passing touchdown in however many games. Nah, but um, he had several several eighty plus seventy plus yard rushing touchdowns. He did have that. Um, but we do get to hear from the quarterbacks for the first time this spring on Saturday, Nick. Uh, I put out a thread on our message board at Gators Online 
asking for questions. Uh, and obviously, we got a lot. People want to know about these quarterbacks. Uh, no matter who's you know under center, it's, it's going to be a new guy. I mean, Miller started the Las Vegas Bowl, but he's still pretty much brand new to Florida fans. And uh, Graham Mertz, though, is the guy that I think folks want to hear from. Obviously, coming over from Wisconsin, he spoke to Scott Carter from FloridaGators.com last week mm -hmm. for kind of his first interview uh, since transferring over to Florida and uh, basically said that it's been a smooth transition for him. I, one thing that I, uh, I guess, didn't really realize or – um, remember during his recruitment is, is there has been a change for him going from under center to shotgun. Um, so that's something that he's had to adjust to this spring. Um, but I think coming in, he knows that this is a battle between him and Jack and uh, he's really had to come and, and there are some things that Jack has, uh, you know, an advantage on. So he's had to come in and really play catch up with the playbook. Just, I think getting the systems down, getting the expectations of this program down, but now that they're on the grass, um, he certainly seems like there's a reason why he's getting those first-team reps. Yeah, and we've talked about it on the show, Zach. Um, just it might seem trivial, but just his locker placement, his being placed directly between the quarterback of the offensive line and Kings Yegukon, the center, and the quarterback of the defense with with Trahaja Mitchell. Um, yeah, you, you put him right in between the two of them. Uh, it's not to say that Florida is stacking the odds against Jack Miller, but I think <laughs> the Gators, Billy Napier, want Graham Mertz to be the starting quarterback. Not that they're going to give it to him, sure, but they want him to win that job. Graham didn't transfer here to sit on the bench. Um, he's got one year left. I think he has two to play one, um, but one year left to play. He came here to start. Um, Billy Napier loves everything he heard about him. Loves the the experience he has. Jack Miller, not his fault. Only one start. 31 <laughs> less than Graham Mertz. Um, it's a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's a that's, lot. That's more than two years of games. Um, so Graham started a bunch um, playing against, uh, you know, the, the tough defenses like Rutgers and Purdue and Indiana. Um, it's going to be a little bit different in the SEC. I, I think the coaches are, are excited with what he's brought just in terms of his investment and his buy-in. Um, but it's uh, like you said, it's still a battle. I think Mertz is based on what we see and the people we talk to is ahead. Um, uh, that's, it's a lot to be determined though. And Hey, maybe Max Brown starts. Well, Hey, I mean, he's ahead, but you're, again, you're talking about Max Brown who's never started and Jack Miller who started one game. So he doesn't have a lot to be ahead of in terms of, didn't take much for him to stand out, I think, in, in some of the areas of practice. Now, he's still got to perform. He's got to go out there and lead the, that uh, first-team offense down the field on some of these drives. And um, we're about to get more of that here in spring camp with scrimmages coming up. What have been uh, your thoughts on Max uh, from what you've seen, Nick? I, I You put out those three videos yesterday of them throwing to the running backs, and uh wow. looks like he had the best rep. Yeah, that's that's – it's uh, it always it's always funny and and like we're putting out we're taking as much video as you can. Um, I'm not even really watching of, of routes on air, of routes way. on air. I'm not watching really what I'm putting out, and then I get like some reactions. Why would you put that out there? Rival fans are going to troll us. I'm like, I, I'm like, I, you can only get trolled if you let yourself get trolled, my guy. It's, it's <laughs> one, it's one rep from practice five, and people are like, 
oh my God, Max Brown's clearly the best quarterback. And I'm like, <laughs> there, there, there's no pass rush. <laughs> there's nobody, there's nobody there. Maybe the ball slipped out of somebody else's hand. Like you can't make a declarative judgment on the depth chart based on one wheel route on good, air. Good ball placement though, Nick. Ah, he's got to start. Start him. Give him the program. Um, I, I don't know. I, I, th- I think it's a two, a two man race. I, I think it's Mertz and Miller, the law firm. Um, and you know, with, with Brown waiting to get his name on the door, uh, of the firm, but not there yet. And, and then obviously we think, you know, you need another quarterback. They added the two, uh, preferred walk-ons, but you, you need four scholarship quarterbacks. So I think if you're watching on YouTube, the two guys on the left there, um, uh, are, are the guys that will really compete for the job. And as you said, I think Mertz is ahead. Um, it's interesting because a lot, a lot more will be gleaned based on the scrimmage, which we won't be allowed to go to, but sure. uh, means that we're just pounding the phones to talk to people who were at the scrimmage. Um, so uh, I think we'll learn a lot more based on how these two perform in the scrimmage, uh, first scrimmage, second scrimmage, and then obviously um, everyone will be able to see it. Thursday night, uh, you know, for the Orange and Blue debut. Any uh, questions that, that you've got specifically for any of these guys or, or just some things that you want to hear? I, I mean, I'm interested to, to see where Jack is at because the last time I can remember speaking to him, Nick, it was after the spring after, game yeah. when Anthony just went off and Jack looked shell-shocked that you know he came here to compete for a job that he thought that he could contend for and he's just had no chance to beat out ar and here he is in his second year and he already looks like he's you know got his work cut out for him again so i'm interested to see just where his head is at and uh his confidence level because it's there's no way he doesn't feel some type of way about graham coming in and uh you know getting the upper hand he's probably like bruh (laughs) bruh Um, after the spring game, Jack looked like, yo, this guy didn't have any film, had no idea who he was or that he was even here. Somebody bamboozled me to come here. (laughs) Um, and then now he's like, all right, that guy's gone. Whew. Thank God. It's going to be my time. And then you go get a guy who started 32 games and Zach, he's got to be like, I've been hoodwinked. Really? I've been hoodwinked. Um, it, it, it can't feel good, but at the end of the day, you know, Graham wasn't promised to be the starter. You're going to get every opportunity. You just have to perform. Um, and, and that's where that, that's for every position, but specifically for Jack, it's there, there is no starting quarterback right now. As we sit here on March 23rd, the Florida Gators don't have a starting quarterback. You and I last year could have said on March 23rd, Anthony Richardson is the starting quarterback, um, but you don't have one. Right now. So that means Jack can go and win this job. Can. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, 
you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. Can, and obviously there'll be a guy in town this weekend to uh, see how that battle is playing out in practice, and that will be Florida quarterback commit DJ Lagway. Before we jump to this interview with uh, Dr. Farmer, I want to discuss DJ Lagway coming in town, and this is nothing new ever since he committed to the Gators. Yeah, I mean, it's almost like this guy's got his own PJ, uh, how much (laughs) he makes his way to the 352. Osh lets him in the PJ? (laughs) He's got to get approval. Um, (laughs) But this week is a little bit different, and I think you know it speaks to the the – thing that we always hear about with quarterbacks right is when you get them committed they become the recruiter of the class and and they can it can go such a long way in getting guys on board and having that guy show up for visits for games and be there to recruit other players and dj shout out to him is going out of his way this weekend to make sure that he's in gainesville as the gators host the nation's number one wide receiver jeremiah smith a five-star prospect who is currently committed to Ohio State. And uh, even though he has that pledge in place, the Gators and several other schools are still trying to flip him from everything that we've read from Corey Bender and all the reports at On3. It certainly looks like uh, Florida is in the mix for a potential switch and, and getting him now on campus for spring ball to be here with DJ Lagway. I mean, this is what you want. And uh, – you know, it's interesting, Nick, because I, I I think that, like, you know, back in the day, right, if if Tebow, when he was committed to Florida, would have, like, come in town to, to host the nation's number one wide receiver and five-star, like, it would create so much buzz. And, uh, you know, this is kind of as important of a, of, of a trip for the Gators. And, you know, to be able to have this guy in town with your quarterback of the future, uh, it, it bodes well for the Gators' chances. I mean, in my eyes, Derek Lagway, DJ Lagway is top two quarterbacks in the next class. Uh, you're a receiver. You got this dude flying from Texas to come and, and see you. That means something to me. Um, you know, maybe uh, you're in the IPF and all of a sudden the ball's there. You start passing the ball back and forth. Ooh, I can picture this. I can, I can imagine this. Um it's so big. I don't remember the last time the Gators had a quarterback of this caliber. You can hard stop there committed to them um, or a quarterback of this caliber, this committed to building a class. Yes. And, yes. And that's something that Lagway said. He says, I want the number one class in the country. And it's like, okay, cool. That, that, those are nice words. And now he's racking up frequent flyer miles. <laughs> <laughs> from Willis, Texas to Gainesville, Florida. Like those weren't just words. No. He he put a he 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 has like a little post-it note um on his mirror where he brushes his teeth every morning that says number one class. Also, here's my delta number so I can I can collect these miles and get these points. <laughs> um DJ Lagway is serious about getting the number one class. I mean, he's coming in this week, he's gonna be back 
for the spring game as well. He might be back next week. Yeah, it's it, it, it's impressive to see, like you said, just the level of investment that he has in this program, in this recruiting class. We had him on the show and got to talk with him, Nick, and just uh, an incredible young man, has a great head on his shoulders. And and I think, obviously, the way that he goes about this role as the recruiter for this class, um, he's pretty mature about it. doesn't seem like he's someone that's going to pressure kids or become like a nuisance or someone that's annoying them about trying to come to the Gators. He's, you know, got this quiet confidence and swag to him. And, you know, his talent kind of speaks for itself. And as you said, Nick, if you're a top player in the country or especially someone at a skill position like wide receiver, these are the kind of guys that you want to team up with. And uh, sure, if you go back to Tebow, Brandon Spikes, a linebacker, said, wherever this dude goes, I'm going. And it's like, you don't even play on the same side of the ball. So to me, the number one receiver in the country, I can play with this dude, kick it with this dude. You build a relationship. It's like, shoot, I don't know who's going to be throwing me the ball at Ohio State, but this dude was cool as hell. So like, that makes a lot of sense. I can stay at home. You know, Shamanad was a rival of St. Thomas. So we don't give Shamanad too much love. Um, but Shamanad, don't have to leave the state. Friends, family can come visit me. Just a short ride up up I-75. Man, this all sounds good to me. Yeah, and honestly, Nick, you know, we've we've talked about this before, but you know, the the value of having DJ committed this early so that he can do this type of recruiting for the Gators is something that they obviously didn't have in the last cycle with Jaden Rashada, who was a late flip. Um, and I think honestly. In, in recent years, I mean, I, I can't remember. I mean, Will Greer committed to the Gators pretty early and was a, and was a top flight quarterback. Um, I don't think that he was recruiting in, like this. Yeah, he wasn't yeah. doing this, though. You know what I mean? Like, maybe he's. And shoot, that know, was 10 years ago. He was he was in the 13 class. 14, 14. 14 class. Okay, because I, I was out in the opening in 2013, so he was in the 14 class. That's but still like, nine, nine cycles ago. Yeah. I mean, it's just, I mean, and even Tebow to a degree, he committed to the Gators pretty late in his process as well. Now, it was I mean, enough. On signing day. Yeah, it was enough to where you were able to get like, uh, well, he did, he enrolled early, remember? So he was one of like the first early enrollees. Um, so I, I think that he was able to influence, you know, guys like Percy Harvin, like you said, obviously Brandon Spikes had said, I'm going to go wherever this guy goes. <laughs> but, it, but it wasn't like he was committed in June, right? And right. you got to go through the whole cycle with him. So having a, a prospect of this caliber, um, I think, is going to pay dividends for the Gators in the 2024 cycle, not just this weekend with Jeremiah Smith in town, uh, but for weekends to come. And, and we know not only in spring ball right now with uh, these visits happening, but once June gets here, those summer camps are going to ramp up. You'll have Friday night lights in July. I mean, this is this is the time when things pick up, and to already have your signal caller of the future in place uh, to come for all of these events and the cookouts and all the things that they're going to do on campus, uh, it's huge for Billy Napier and this staff. And another thing that's huge for them, Nick, is to have uh, Dr. Kevin Farmer on staff as well and all the work that he does as the team's physician. We're going to jump to this break when we come back on the other side. We'll be joined by Kevin, who was named this week as the SEC's Team Physician of the Year. So we'll speak to, them, to him about that honor and his job with the Gators.
What's up, Florida fans? Wanted to encourage all of you to go check out rogueshop.com if you have issues sleeping, chronic pain, and or anxiety and stress. Rogue Shop sells CBD, THC, edibles, smokables, and vapes, as well as handcrafted bath salts, soaps, candles, massage oils, pain creams, and topicals. Rogue Shop is a true small business, disabled, veteran-owned, black-owned, woman-owned company. They have five employees and make all of their products with their own cannabis grown in their manufacturing facility. Visit rogueshop.com. That's R-O-G-U-E-S-H-O-P.com. Welcome back into the Gators Online Show. We are now joined by our guest of the week, Dr. Kevin Farmer, who is Florida's team physician and also the SEC Team Physician of the Year, uh, which was awarded this week. Uh, Kevin, thanks for joining us, man. Uh, welcome to the show. Thank you. I appreciate uh, you guys having me. It uh, certainly is a huge honor for me to to, to win this, and uh, I thank you for giving me the opportunity to speak about it. Absolutely, what, man. The, what's the process to find out? Uh, you know, we see like the NFL Hall of Fame, and, and they've made a big deal about that um, with guys finding out. Um, what's just the process of, of finding out that uh, uh, that you've won this award? Yeah, it's funny. You know, I had heard about it weeks ago that uh, Duke Warner, the kind of a he's sort of the administrative athletic trainer, basketball athletic trainer. You know, the, the it's voted on by the sports medicine staff, so he knew about it right away and called me. And so I knew about. It. I didn't realize they were going to do a press release. So I was in <laughs> I was in the office on Tuesday seeing patients, and my phone starts blowing up, and I was like, "What is going on?" And I realized they did the press release. So that you know. Nothing, nothing fancy. I knew about it. I was excited. I told my, my family and friends, and that was about it. I, I wasn't expecting it to get to where it got this week, so definitely an honor for me. You should get That's like awesome. a golden a golden stethoscope or something. Yeah, I think it's – I just found out it's named the Chris – I didn't realize this. It's named actually the Chris Patrick Award after after Chris Pat, CP. Those, you know, those of you that have been around Florida football, he is a longtime athletic trainer. So I just got the – I have to give a talk. In May at the uh, SEC Sports Medicine meeting, you know, kind of a keynote talk for the winner, and, and it's called the Chris Patrick Award. So even more of an honor because he's somebody that all of us greatly respect, and for what he he's done for for sports medicine and for the university. The, the, the South End Zone Training Room is called the Chris Patrick South End Zone Training Room because of what he did for the university. So he, even more of an honor for me. That's awesome, man. That that's fantastic. <laughs> well, uh, before we kind of uh revisit where you're at this week let's let's take 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 us back to where you began uh kevin uh i know nick will be uh love to hear about your baseball background but uh, how did you even get involved in sports growing up and, and when did you know working as a doctor and working in this field even uh come on your radar yeah um you know i would say i grew up in daytona beach so i'm a local fairly local kid i, I grew up a huge gator fan i grew up you know Funny, Shane Matthews tweeted me or, or tweeted congratulations, and it, you know, him and and Coach Spurrier were the reasons I became a Gator fan when I was. When I, was I don't want to show uh, Shane's age, but when I was a kid, and so having them, you know, tell me congratulations really brought my life full circle. But I grew up in Daytona, uh, was a baseball player, played at uh, Duke University, and then uh, went into medical schools in uh, Baltimore at Johns Hopkins. Did uh, at some point there, I. Uh, Obviously, I knew I wanted to stay involved in athletics. That was always kind of a goal for, you know, kind of hear the story of, of athletes wanting to stay involved with that. So I worked with the Orioles uh, 
team doctor when I was up there. Really enjoyed that. Uh, and then you do an orthopedic residency, which is five years, which is you know basically you know, basic orthopedic training. And then I, I was down in Miami for a year where I worked with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, I worked uh, with the University of Miami while I was down there. I worked with the baseball team when I was there. And then came here for another year to do a second called fellowship, which is like specialized training, and then, and then stayed on. So that was in 2010. So I've been here now for 13 years, and it really has been a been a great ride. I kind of look back at the things that I was able to experience. You know, I, there, there can't be many team physicians who who have a baseball national championship, a, a Final Four ring. Um, you know, I've got an Orange Bowl ring. I've got obviously all the other you know, softball, and I mean, I, I would imagine my I'm very fortunate that my ring collection has got to rival any sports medicine position in the country. And, and that's more of a uh, uh, of an endorsement for the athletic program. Just fortunate to be here at, you know, at the right time and, and hopefully we'll continue to have success and then improve upon where we are now. If, if you get track rings, you might have to you look like Mr. T. You have to put them on a necklace. Yeah, I do. So when you take care of a lot of teams, they, they have a little bit of a restriction that I I can't get one for every – otherwise, I'd have 50, 60 rings. So every yeah. year, I have, to, <laughs> I have to kind of pick and choose one or two that, that I want. But I have I have softball. I have some track. I'm trying to remember all the other ones. I just got women's track indoor last year was the one I chose, which is really nice. So, yeah, it's it's, it's been it's been a lot of fun. I'm very, very blessed to be here. Now, now, well, one that I, I had wanna, to be one that had to be a little special for you was was that uh, that that baseball one, obviously because of your background. Uh, Phil Nick in a little bit about your days at Duke, man. What position did yeah. you play? And yeah, so I was a second baseman growing up. Um, you know, then I kind of bulked up a little bit and wasn't quite as fast as I used to be. So I got to college. I was a better hitter than anything. So left field, they put me at first base, which I don't know why. I'm only five nine, five ten, but I played some first base. <laughs> DH. Um, yeah, we had some success. We had a couple guys on that team that went professional. Scott Schoenweiss was on that team, played for the Mets for a long time. I faced Chris Benson. You know, back then he was though 98, 99, which now is normal. But back then that, that was you know upper echelon velocity. Um, you know, and so that so that was it was uh, it was it was fun. I had some back issues and some health issues. Maybe that's why I kind of gravitated. Another reason towards sports medicine is kind of a common common theme. But yeah, obviously, I mean. As a kid growing up in 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 the South playing baseball, Omaha was always kind of we always heard about. Oh, I had shirts as a kid. Destination Omaha. I used to come to Gator baseball camp, and so I've been there now with the team five five times I think since I've been here. The, the first year, 2010, I did I didn't go, but I've been the other five times. I think Nick, you probably have been there for most of those as well. But been to Omaha now five times, and obviously winning it in 17 was was. Uh, was a lot of fun. I'm lucky that if you look at the uh, somehow I snuck onto the team picture. So if you go to the the Condren ballpark, I'm on the side there on the on the national championship picture there in the walkway. So you know it, it's 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 always been great to work with. All the coaches have been great. You know it's just been 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 a great experience. Well, I tried to tell Scott. I actually so I uh, I got here in 13. Um, so the first time they went to Omaha that I was covering the team was 16, um, mm -hmm. and that team was incredible. Um, they just ran into some great pitching, went to and barbecue. And then I went in 17. I made sure to tell both uh, Jeremy Foley and Scott Strickland, hey, I'm not saying it's me, but I've only been to Omaha one time, and it turned out pretty well for you guys. Um, I also have a one-way ticket out here, so the team plane would be a nice way home. Uh, they didn't take it. They did not take me up on the offer. Um, and then I went out in 18. So I've only been twice, um, but – 
growing up playing baseball, uh, like you said, I never got to, to the old stadium. Um, TD Ameritrade is really nice, but uh, I would have liked to have seen Rosenblatt uh, before they tore it down. But that's yeah, a great weekend or a great uh, week. It's awesome. If anybody, you know, if anybody can can make it out there, I highly recommend it. Especially if you're a baseball fan, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I I, have, I did not make it to the old uh, the old stadium either because ever since I've been here, it's been at TD Ameritrade. But I would have figured. 16 would have been the year we won it because we had such a such a great player. But like you said, just baseball is such a game of streaks and luck. And then 17, I would not have expected to have been the year we won it. And so um, you know, it's it's looking back on on the experiences out there, it it really is uh speaking of uh, the plane, I remember one year I had to give a talk and I was in Las Vegas giving a talk and the team was flying out, so I couldn't go with the team and my wife and kids got to go and I got a picture and they were on the Rolling Stones. Rolling Stones were playing in Orlando, and they were able to use their charter flight for the team to fly them to Omaha. As I get a picture of my wife and kids with the with the Rolling Stones big, you know, lifts picture mm. on their plane, and I'm stuck in the airport in Las Vegas trying to make my connection. I'm like, what the heck is all this about? <laughs> sitting in sitting in 29F while while, yeah. while your wife and kids exactly. are flying with in the Rolling Stones plane. Exactly. Um, obviously. Uh, Dr. Kevin Farmer, you've got to see a, a lot of changes in, in, in medicine, you know, throughout the past decade and how, you know, one of the, the storylines that we always hear about is how, you know, the, the repair from ACLs and, and how quick that that turnaround is now compared to, you know, maybe 20 years ago. Um, what's it just been like for you to see all these changes and advancements and, and adjust with the times? Well, I've been, been fortunate to, to, you know, to, to be part of it and, and to experience it and, and to, to see the evolution, obviously getting student athletes, getting athletes back quicker is always the goal of getting them back safely. Um, but you know, the, the companies out there now the, the science, the studies really has been an evolution where we can do these things um, better, safer, get them back quicker and, and knock on wood, you know, lower our chance of re-injury. And so, mm -hmm. Um, you know, it, it definitely has been 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 fun to be part of that evolution and and to, to be involved with studies. We're involved with a lot of studies here at UF trying to not with student athletes, but certainly involved with studies where we collect all of our data, look at outcomes and try to do things that we can do to to help uh, forward the, uh, the our knowledge so that we can improve outcomes. But that, that certainly has been um, been something that's been 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 fun part of my career. Are there some players that you've worked with or, or just some cases that you've had in the past that you're just really proud of or really bring you joy to see, you know, some of the, the, the turnarounds and rehabilitations that have been made and just to see someone go from a really tough injury to be back out there playing and competing? Yeah, I mean, I mean, there's a lot of them, but certainly I've you know, developed relationships with a lot of these, a lot of these kids and, and, and yeah. succeed, you know, obviously Ventrell Miller, the last couple of years, we've, we've dealt a lot of injuries and just to see, you know, just the, the ray of light that he is when he's out there and, and it really makes it worthwhile for me. You know, obviously, Anthony, I've known since high school here at Eastside. I mean, yeah, Zach, you and I used to hang on the sidelines and, and Fort White and Lake City back when you were working, you know, for the we weren't you working for Lake City, Lake City Reporter. Yeah. yeah, yeah, so that's when we first used to hang out. So you go back and you see, you know, see Anthony at, at Eastside and yeah, you know, I dealt with him some injuries there. We got through, and then obviously injuries here. Now to see what he did, you know, at the combine, and his, you know, his mom is a patient of mine. It, it, you you feel like you're, you're you're part of the family, and so <laughs> you know, you get this internal 
crowdness and things that that really make it all worthwhile. That's awesome. One thing I wanted to to mention because it, it seems like Florida fans will say Florida had bad luck. You know, two years or it might have even been the same year with um, the the testing that you guys do, like the physical testing um, that found um, the heart imbalances or the rhythmic imbalances with James Robinson and um, with Randy Russell. What went into that? Because it seemed like you guys were maybe Florida was one of the the first schools to really start catching that stuff. And, and that's something that, you know, you'd rather find out early than find out in the second quarter of a game when something, you know, tragic is happening. Yeah. And, and this is uh so it kind of gets teased out where we have primary care physicians and, 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 and a great group, the student health center and then the orthopedic side. And I want to make sure that I give them the credit because they're the ones that really spearheaded um, the evolution that uh, of the preseason or the, the incoming student physicals as well as the athletic trainers here at UF. But the administration has always supported us to go above and beyond. So the requirements for preseason physical did not require necessarily you to have to get an EKG, which we've, we've gotten now for years. Wow. And then they, they, added, they added an echocardiogram, which we were one of the first universities to get echocardiograms on all athletes. And so when you add the testing that to that level, but it's not necessarily required, then you're going to pick up things that maybe otherwise wouldn't have gotten picked up. And then mm. both the ones that you mentioned had had real issues that got picked up. And, and, and I would venture to guess potentially uh, avoided the being in a situation for having catastrophic injury. And so uh, we have definitely been on the forefront of, of doing whatever we can to, to maximize student safety. And, um, and even if it, it potentially has some some negative side effects as far as competition like you said we lost sure. a couple of very good athletes be, because of it but if it was my son or daughter i, I would certainly want that as opposed to, to not knowing how I random lost. was how random was that 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 happened two years in a row like that with yeah, james and randy it's pretty uncommon pretty uncommon but uh but yeah i mean they they, they both had that issues that I, I i think we're very fortunate were picked up you lost and, and, two good athletes, but you probably saved two great people. Um, yes. And, and just yeah. a, a different life path for them. But um, And shout out to those guys, too, for both, you know, sticking it out and staying at yeah. UF and graduating. And obviously we saw what uh, Randy got to do with the Eagles this year, which was awesome. Yeah. No, it's, it's – it, yeah, they, they both made the most out of what I would imagine is a very difficult situation for them. And then, Kevin, thinking back on your 13 years at UF, obviously you've got to experience so many seasons and, and, and memories with teams. Are there some that stand out or are there some that, that really, obviously, I imagine that that uh, 2017 title is probably up there, but but what are some other ones that, that really you look back on and, and, and cherish a lot? Yeah, I mean, certainly 17 was, was a lot of fun. Um, the Final Four run was at 14 with basketball. Oh, yeah. Was, that was a great team and just just great kids. I mean, will you get just tweeted at me two days ago? You know, obviously, Patrick, we're all following what, what he's going through and, and rooting for him. But, you know, to, to have that team that, you know, didn't have any first round draft picks, but to be at, as dominating as they were and then, and then to have Billy and a great staff, that, that, that was that was a, a, a fun, a fun run that really obviously stands out. And obviously the SEC championships with, with football were, were, were enjoyable and exciting and um, but yeah, I think that the baseball run and the final four run were the ones that, that really kind of stick out for me. You could be having another baseball one this year, man. Things keep going the right way. As a baseball player, I'm not going to say anything or jinx anything. We're all <laughs> you know better. 
Right. So, yeah, um, people. We, in, in Omaha one year, maybe 18, I had to fly out. We, we, we had the first game and we lost. And I used to stand a dugout for the games. We lost the first, the 18 lost the first game. I had to fly to Scotland to give a talk. And then I missed the second game and I flew back and they won the second game. And then they stand in that dugout. They kicked me out of the dugout. Yeah, the that dugout. World series. <laughs> I know where to go. I'm like walking the halls every game. I'm like, what the heck? <laughs> we're, we're baseball players. We're not superstitious, but we are a little stitious. Right, uh, right. If, if you were in the dugout and we lost and you were out of the dugout, I'm surprised they didn't fly you back to Scotland. Yeah, exactly. You, you got to get out of the country. Exactly. Um, that um, it, It's so funny. So people right now are asking me, Nick, is this team Omaha or bust? I'm like, listen, there's – 291 division one baseball teams only eight get there so much stuff can happen in between uh but yeah this team is really good um they're a lot of fun uh to watch uh might have to fly you back to scotland if the team gets there (laughs) certainly the pitching staff is i mean we've had good pitching staff before but the 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 three weekend guys just right now are so dominant that that, that we're, we're wrapping up with Dr. Kevin Farmer, uh, Florida's team physician. Uh, uh, Kevin, one thing I wanted to ask you about that I'm you know, curious is uh, Billy Napier's army and specifically within the strength staff and, and how they've kind of bulked that up. And they have so many people in the weight room that not only work with these players, but monitor their health, monitor where they're at. Um how beneficial is that, that kind of Florida's made that investment? How much does that maybe help with your job and, and keeping these guys healthy? It's hugely beneficial. So the strength staff um, and the athletic training staff work very closely together. And so, you know, they, they make sure they modify uh, any, of the, any of the workouts. If an athlete's coming off an injury or rehab and they talk closely, you know, we have a, um, a, a coach who's basically their, their, their sole – role is is return to sport type progression so that's what their focus is on is you take an athlete who's had surgery coming back from an injury has finished with the athletic trainers now they're on a progression return to sport that's their sole focus and so yeah it it, i mean the the best way to 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 not have to see me surgery is, is preventative stuff and that's the stuff that they all do the strength coaches athletic training staff um and so it makes my job a lot easier and you can definitely look at the you know, the, the data over the years, not just here, but anywhere, and, and see that, you know, different approaches to, to strength training and preseason conditioning definitely has an effect on the risk of, of injury down the road. You see it in the NFL all the time. You have a, a team that has a you know season that has a large number of injuries, whether or not it's related or not. Mm-hmm. You know, what do they do? They, 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 bring, they, they change over the, the, the strength staff. And so it, it definitely is, is hugely important. We, we've got a great crew that our athletes are very fortunate to have. But they work very closely, not as much with me, but with the athletic trainers to really kind of work together on, on, on a plan for everybody. And then, Kevin, what, is your, what does your schedule look like on a monthly, yearly basis? Like, how do you get, you know, how do you figure out which teams you're going to be with and, and kind of, you know, managing all the schedules and stuff that you have to balance in your, in your work? Yeah, there, you know, there's five or there's six different team physicians, so we all sit down and, and go over the schedule. And, and um, only certain sports have a mandate by the NCAA to have a physician on site. So those we figure out who's going to be there. But certainly, football and basketball, orth, they, they like having orthopedic as well as primary care for those those sports. The other ones we can kind of figure out who's on site. But that schedule, you know, we figure out every game someone is at least available for. Um, yeah. 
obviously I have my, my normal, my normal job, you know, the, the, the athletics is kind of after hours and weekends. My normal job is, is, you know, you know, just somebody in the community gets hurt that that's what I'm you know, mainly doing. So that's eight to eight to five Monday through Friday. But then I usually go to training room. So during football season, every day I go to training room after, after practice. And then obviously the, the games, you know, for away games and those things. Um, but there's a handful of us, we all work closely together to make sure we figure it out, make sure everything's covered. And, the other part is we're, we're academic, so we have to give like, a, give talks and travel a lot. So so if I'm not covering events, I'm, I'm often traveling somewhere to, to, to speak or I'm going to New Orleans next weekend for the big football course where I'm speaking there with basically a lot of the NFL doctors. So, yeah, it's busy, but but you find a way to make it through. Well, listen, man, I, I, I definitely respect uh, the job you do, and I think I speak for Nick and, and all Florida fans that listen to the show that uh, we appreciate the work that you put in. And I know it's not just – like you said, you're eight to five and then your weekends, but heck man, you even are out there at high school games and, and, and lending your time to some of the athletes here in this area. So um, it, it's, it's much appreciated and it's awesome to see you recognized uh, as the SEC team physician of the year, because uh, it's been a long time coming. Well, I appreciate it. Uh, it means a lot coming from you guys. Thank you for all you do supporting, uh, supporting the Gators and uh, appreciate the opportunity. We're gonna Absolutely. see if we can get you that golden stethoscope. My my uh, crowdfunded uh, crowdfunded resources here. Sounds good. Appreciate it. Awesome. That's Dr. Kevin Farmer. Appreciate him for joining us this week. We're gonna jump to this break and come back on the other side to wrap up the Gators Online show. Welcome back into the Gators Online show. Appreciate Dr. Kevin Farmer for joining us in the last segment. And again, congratulations to him on his award. And he's also a guy that is very involved throughout the NFL draft process. He, since 2014, has been the NFL Combine representative for the Miami Dolphins, and a really cool story about him going through the draft process with um, Damian Pierce as well in, in recent years. And obviously, some Gators going through the draft process now as we uh, bring you this week's segment brought to you by Vitamin Energy. Vitamin Energy is a powerful, naturally caffeinated energy shot that nourishes your body with vitamins, supports healthy weight loss, and boosts energy for seven plus hours with no jitters or sugar crash. Mm. This is naturally caffeinated shot with a green tea extract, and it supports gut health, gives you energy, and again, most mm. importantly, no crash. Nick and I have been enjoying this now for several weeks, and uh, my uh, favorite, of course, is the focus as a sports writer, um, able to keep me... Uh, <laughs> Keep me, uh, you know, on my storylines, and especially when I'm trying to burn the midnight oil. And uh, but they got all different kinds of energy shots that you can take uh, if you're trying to work out, if you're trying to focus, um, if you're not doing anything in terms of athletic. Uh, so definitely make sure you go to vitaminenergy.com and use the discount code GatorsBogo so that you can buy one and get one free. And if you are tuning in to the Gators Pro Day on March 30th, and you see a guy out there running around uh, that you may not recognize as a former Gator, that's because he's not. Uh, he's a former yeah. UF track athlete, and that's Dedrick Van Over. And he's going to be out there competing at Pro Day and uh, trying to put on a show. And when you go out there and see him run his 40-yard dash, you're going to think that this yes, dude just took three vitamin energy shots because uh, this guy runs a 10-1. I can't wait to see what he runs in the 40. I've worked vitamin energy into my daily routine. Um, no offense to our, our sponsors. There's not enough vitamin energy in the world 
for me to catch Vanover <laughs> in, in a race. I don't care what kind of, uh, you know, head start you give me. He is going to get me. Um, it'll be interesting to see him run. Would love to see. Obviously, you said 10-1, 100. Uh, what does that translate to? Um, not just a track athlete. Um, he was listed as a five foot 10, 170 pound defensive back from moreover college um, produced seven interceptions and 21 pass deflections in a 20 game stretch to pair with 53 tackles, three tackles for a loss and a fumble recovery. He transferred to Florida um, to continue his sprinting career um, and, and was there in the 2021 season, set a personal record of 24, three in the outdoor 200 at the Ooh. SEC track and field championships. <clears throat> Um, it was last year that his, his track career really took off. He set best in the 60 meter with a six, six second tied for sixth fastest in UF history, uh, a 21, 10 in the 200 meter and in the outdoor 100 meter ran that 10, one ninth fastest in UF history, um, elite marks in, elite. in all categories. He also ran the leadoff leg for Florida's first place four by one relay team at the Texas Relays in March 2022. And that was the fourth fastest result in program history at 38.47 seconds. Yeah, I can't wait to see him run at Pro Day. And Corey Raymond was asked this week if he knew about him. And, um, you know, if there was ever, you know, any, any talk about him potentially playing for the football team. And Corey had no idea who this guy was. And then found out that he ran a 10-1 and goes, well, dang, he should have come and played for us. <laughs> um, so it's going to be interesting to see what happens uh, with him. He's one of 11 guys that are going to be competing uh, at Florida's Pro Day. And, um, you know, you look at the list for uh, for the team. Well, now he's not one of the 11 football players, so he will make it 12. And um, – this is obviously an important day for a guy like Amari Bernie, who did not get to uh, participate in the NFL scouting combine. Uh, also, uh, Jordan Pouncey will be another guy that gets to go through that. But everybody else on the list already has been in front of NFL personnel. Now, uh, Richard Garage, he did not get to work out because of an injury. Ventro Miller, uh, we'll see if he's able to do anything for Pro Day. Obviously, it would be huge for him if he's able to return in time from that foot uh, surgery that he had. So, uh, and then obviously, I think one of the most intriguing names on this list outside of Anthony Richardson, Nick, is uh, the fact that Brent Cox did get the invite back to Pro Day and will be uh, participating. Yeah, so Brent Cox was not included in Florida's, you know, social media package for the East-West Shrine Bowl. Um, Brent Cox was given a lot of chances by Billy Napier, and, and obviously whatever transpired uh, in Jacksonville at that Georgia game, was the last straw for that team. Um, but to not listen, Brenton Cox was not going to be invited to Georgia's pro day. I can tell you that um, <laughs> to essentially blackball Brenton Cox from working out for NFL teams would have been a terrible look for Florida and for Billy Napier and everything Billy Napier has said about wanting to help the person uh, more so than even the football player. Uh, you would have looked like, you know, uh, just empty words if Brenton Cox was not allowed to come back. This is a job interview. Um, you know, whatever Brenton Cox did to get himself kicked off of the team and you thought that that would make your team better, this isn't a team thing. This is yeah. uh, individuals trying to uh, 
reach their ultimate goal and become professional football players. So I don't think Florida really had a choice. Um, the stories and the narrative against Florida, if you would not have allowed Brenton Cox to come and do and, and participate in spring day or uh, spring day in pro day. Um, it is in the spring. It is in the spring. Um, would have, would have been, you know, deafening, especially with, uh, the stance that Napier and, and his staff have taken about being pro person um, and caring about these guys. Yeah, um, you know, you can care about a guy and kick him off the team. You know, your parents care about you and they still put you in timeout when you misbehave. Uh, but ultimately, I think you had to allow Brenton Cox to come and participate um, in this event. And at the end of the day, he's going to get drafted, and that's another guy you get to claim. Uh, as part of this draft class, I mean, the Gators could end up with double di digits in terms of draft picks for uh, 2023 if, if um, all but one of these guys come off the board. And I, I think they all got a chance to get drafted, in, including Amari Burning, um, especially if he can go out there on pro day and, and have, a, have a good performance. Um, again, this is really important for Richard Garage because of what the time that he missed at the Combine. Uh, but, you know... Not as important of a day for Anthony Richardson, although uh, from what I'm told, he is going to throw or is planning to throw at Pro Day, even though he doesn't have to. Um, he's not going to run a 40-yard dash. Why, but why just would the, you? No. Just the fact that he'll be in the building, <laughs> that he will be throwing, and this is Florida's Pro Day. Nick, it's going to be live in there. I mean, it's not going to have the same, I think, excitement as his performance at the NFL scouting combine, but the buzz in the building with so many NFL teams, with so many networks like NFL Network. and I mean, think about all the outlets that are going to be there to cover him, right? Um, I, I can't recall the last time that Florida will have had a pro day that probably is going to generate this much buzz as – it will on March 30th because of Anthony Richardson. Maybe maybe since Tebow or Percy came out, I don't think that there'll be this much buzz about a Florida Pro Day. Yeah, I mean... I, <laughs> I mean, because let's be honest, Florida's had top five picks and first-round picks, but they don't generate the same buzz like the quarterback does. Yeah, like Joe Hayden, yeah. um, you know, went top five to the Browns. Um, Dante Fowler, I mean... Yeah, um, I, I don't think, you know, it's different when it's a quarterback in a potential one, one, um, you know, pick. So if I'm Anthony Richardson, I, I like throwing like, Hey, Justin shorter still needs to run routes. Um, would like to have Anthony throwing them to him, uh, you know, rather than somebody else. Um, but if I'm Anthony Richardson, I'm shades on inside the IPF, a lawn <laughs> chair, sipping a Kool-Aid. Like I'm just, I'm, big I'm just chilling. throwing. I'm big chilling. Yeah. I talked to talked to Anthony uh, shortly after the combine, and he said, "Ran my last forty ever. <laughs> Done. Four four three. That's good. That's good, baby. That's like taking the SAT one time, getting like a fifteen hundred, and being like, yeah, never taking that test again. Good to go. Passed it. Yeah, I mean, obviously this this combine process is uh, and draft process has gone about as good as it could go." For Anthony Richardson, and this is kind of his final um, time to get in front of all the teams other than just the individual meetings that he will have leading up to the draft. So uh, the mock drafts are continuing to roll out, Nick. 
he's uh, looking like a consensus top ten pick now. I, I in, and I, you know, a lot of them have him in the f- top five. I think uh, Mel Kiper has him going fifth overall um, to the Seattle Seahawks. So this is just going to probably stamp that even more between him throwing at pro day and between him talking to teams. Uh, he's only going to improve his stock uh, leading up to that first round. I we need to we need to get Anthony to throw you a pass. Me to see if you can handle it. I mean, I would. You would do a better job, probably. I'll throw Anthony a pass. No, no, I can no, no. Throw no, no. better nine catch. Now well, we can... obviously, obviously, I'm throwing you under the bus. But I, I mean, I think we can get a ball seventy miles an hour out of his hand, but we'll line you up fifteen no, yards no, away. No way. You're the former baseball player. Away. You, yeah, 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 you yeah. can, you'll catch that. Yeah, but yeah, I think it would be better to put you in the hot seat. Nick, I broke my <laughs> left arm last year, and I yeah. don't think that even with a year, a year's Listen, time to heal, Dr. that it's Farmer ready on to catch dial. a fastball from Anthony Richardson. Dr. I think Farmer it'll break again. Speed dial, Zach. You're good. That is, we could have Doctor Farmer out there to uh, to watch over me. Yes, uh, it's set. <laughs> it's all set. Yeah, I, I I think if anything, if I go out there to do that, uh, it's gonna make Justin Shorter look better. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> you're help, you're helping Justin, helping Justin out. Um, and obviously that's not the only thing that's extra going on right now uh, on campus. I, I do want to give a shout out to Florida's Coaches Clinic, uh, which uh, started on Thursday. Is going to run through Saturday. Chalk talk, as they like to call it, and. Uh, 17 coaches and staff members from the NFL coming for this event. Billy Napier and his staff started it last year. They had Matt Rule as the keynote speaker when he was uh, the head coach for the the Carolina Panthers. And uh, this year they've made it exclusive to high school coaches. Uh, So I think that this goes a long way, Nick, in – trying to establish those relationships and those connections, not only within the state of Florida, but throughout this region, any high school coach or staff that could make the trip to Gainesville to attend this three-day event and coaches clinic. Um, I mean, just, just be honest. There are not a lot of programs that are doing this, right? Um, you pay 30 bucks and you get to basically come for three days. They get fed, they get put, uh, you know, in front of all these NFL coaches and really get to learn some things that they would never kind of get exposed to outside of this coaches clinic. So I think a really smart thing that Bill and his staff are putting on, um, it just gets you more face time with the high school coaches throughout the state and throughout this region. Um, you know, plus you, you, you get to, to have some face time with some NFL staff as well. And, and, and guys that could potentially be drafting your players for years to come. So, uh, it seems like ever since Billy took over, Nick, they always got something going on between Gator Maid and between this. Uh, there's always an event happening. Yeah, and um, it, it'll be interesting to see how many of them are out at practice too. I think that is another aspect of it. You know, yeah, come and watch. Not only talk to to all these coaches who are at the pinnacle of the coaching profession in the NFL. Um, hey, this is a, a practice you can come and watch how we do things here. This is how we structure a practice um, and, and what we do as an organization. Um, watch our meetings 
before practice. Hey, this is what we're doing. Here's what install is today. And then watch us go through it. And then after we review, hey, this was install. We installed it. And now how we're going to review it. So they'll get to see uh, inside the Florida program Thursday, Friday, and Saturday as well. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, definitely want to give a shout out to them uh, for that event. And now we will switch gears. We got some other uh, sports to talk about as we wrap up this week's Gators Online show. And we have been tracking all of the action with the Florida basketball program as the transfer portal is open and it's busy. The Gators have had four players that have now departed from Todd Golden's team. And Golden and his staff have also been busy pursuing several players that have entered the portal uh, they've, they've contacted, you know, I think probably almost a dozen guys now that they've reached out to in some form or fashion. They've had a couple in-home visits. You've got some guys now that are naming Florida as one of their top schools as they get ready to make a new decision. But, um, it is that off season time. I mean, everyone's tuning in to the sweet 16, Nick, and, and, and seeing how this March madness is going to play out and, uh, golden, his staff, man, they've already had to turn the page on next year and start building this roster. Yeah, and you're going to see this uh, throughout college basketball. I mean, <clears throat> as much as football, um, and more so than football, because the rosters uh, are smaller, you can completely remake a team uh, through the transfer portal every year. Yeah, and, and last year, I think, was huge for them. Um, and, and you know, uh, talking to Neil Blackman a little bit about it, they got pretty much everyone they wanted through the transfer portal last year. Granted, <clears throat> um, Todd hasn't even been here a year. So this was, you know, got in, got into the, the job a little bit late. Um, but yeah, an under 500 season when you kind of handpicked your team, um, makes me feel like a little bit of uh, athletes over analytics. And, and now you're going to have, uh, a second chance to go get some of those athletes uh, in the portal this year. But I think this is going to be a huge time. Obviously I think you need to work on keeping Riley Kugel if you can. Um, that might be your biggest recruit, but obviously this is going to be a huge time to, to reshape your roster. You're going to lose a bunch of the guys, I think from the roster last year. Uh, so this is uh, very important for Todd Golden and his staff. Yeah. And, and obviously, you know, you, you look at the pieces that they have already lost from this past season. Uh, not really any surprises at all in terms of the guys that have decided to move on. Um, you know, Jason Jatobo has decided to, to enter the transfer portal. Uh, Kowasi Reeves and, and Niles Lane uh, were the first guys. And then the most recent was CJ Felder. I mean, all those guys uh, basically played a reserve roles this past season. You know, Jason obviously got some starts after Colin uh, Castleton's injury, but he's got one more year of eligibility uh, and he's decided to use his COVID year somewhere else. And, um, you know, I, I don't think that there's any, you know, bad blood here, but I also don't think that the Florida staff is losing any sleep over these guys that have decided to move on. And I think a lot of that also has to do with, you know, where they stand in the transfer portal. I mean, they, they have, you know, by my count, I think, have either visited or, you know, are recruiting um, five guys that are ranked in the top 40 of the on three transfer portal rankings. And that's just in the top 40. I mean, they, they, they're they after guys in the top 
100 as well. And, you know, obviously a, a great system that we have at on three that you can kind of see where these guys rank as portal prospects. But, you know, you look at that top 100 and the guys that Florida is in, is in the mix for, you know, Nick, if they can if they can get some of those pieces and fill some of the holes on their roster, um, they're going to have a chance to kind of rebuild this thing. But to your point, it can be done in one offseason through the portal. You can completely rebuild your roster and change the fortunes of your program. Jamie Shaw from On3 did a fantastic piece this week about all the teams in the Sweet 16 and the portal pieces that they added to get there and, and what they did to basically rebuild their roster. And, you know, one of the um, examples that I think Florida fans are probably most familiar with is Kansas State because of Keontae Johnson, who shout out to Key for that dagger three that he hit against Kentucky uh, to send his team to the Sweet 16. Um, you know, he had never been there with Florida, uh, both times he made the tournament with the team, they got knocked out in the second round, and then he had never beat Kentucky as well. So that was kind of a cool moment for Keontae. But you look at what a first-year coach and uh, Tang did at Kansas State, I mean, completely flipped their roster from the portal and was able to put together a Sweet 16 team. So um, I think for Todd Golden and his staff, that's got to be the goal. That's got to be the mindset. And he and his assistant coaches – Right now, Nick, they're about to show their recruiting prowess and, and what they can do to, to try and rebuild this team. Um, you know, I, I like a lot of the pieces that they added from the portal last year. And obviously signing Riley Kugel was a really big addition from the high school ranks. Um, but there there are there's enough talent out there in the transfer market that I think if they hit on enough guys uh, and win some tough recruiting battles, that they have a, a chance to not only you know go from a losing season to a winning season, but uh, you know try to make a run in the tournament, which is going to be the goal. That's a long ways away. <laughs> hey, you got to do it, man. Away. You got to do it. I mean, I, I I don't I don't I don't think that this program can take another uh, year where not only where they don't make the tournament, but you know make a run, get a, get at least to the second round. Um, and, and you mean you want to be one of these teams that are playing right now? Um, so they're gonna have to do some work in that portal, Nick. Yeah, well, you know, uh, big gymnastics guy here, uh, attended gymnastics for the first time this year. Um, it's not good, and I love how much support gymnastics get, but it's not good when gymnastics is out drawing you with fans if you're Florida basketball. Well, that is such an interesting dynamic too nick because it just goes to show you that it is not a matter of hey we can't pack this place or tickets are too high or you know you, you can't get a seat in the o-dome like gymnastics is right there as your example for seeing that hey you can sell out the o-dome you're just not doing it with the with the sport that, that has always done it you're um, not good and, enough. and uh, honestly Nick, I mean, I, I think that it's not at this point with Florida basketball fans and correct me if I'm wrong, if you think I'm wrong, but like, I, I think it's got past where it's like, you know, frustration or anger or being upset about the results. Like, I think it's gotten to a point and a lot of this stems from the Mike White tenure. So it's not fair to Todd, but I just think that there's apathy within this fan base. 
uh, for the Florida basketball team, and it shows up in the seats. Like, it's not like they won't show up and come out for a midweek match or event in the O-Dome. They do it for gymnastics. Um, so it's going to take, obviously, a, a big turnaround and a really fun team to watch that can have success in March uh, to get fans back in the stands. Yeah, and uh, <clears throat> that's on – and listen, I don't think Todd Golden's on any kind of hot seat. Um, no. You know, just one year in, but uh, we're going to see what kind an of – NIT team. Well, he kept that – kept the standard. <laughs> he <laughs> inherited an NIT team and, and kept the standard. Um, and and I listen, the expectation will not be NIT uh, in 23 in 2023-24. Yeah, they, they, they got to be dancing in March. Uh, without question. And we know that this Florida baseball team was dancing, Nick, as um, they took care of business against Alabama to open SEC play and then just a thrilling finish against Florida State uh, to beat their rival in Tallahassee. Incredible eighth inning. And um, I know you were away, Nick, for the uh, for the Alabama series. Shout out to Corporate Don for proving that um, – He's more suited to be in that press box than me, Nick. It certainly is. Um, I would have never heard the end of it if I had allowed you to cover the game. So thank you to Don for covering those. Florida got an absolute gem from Brandon Sprout. Um, he throws a one-hit complete game shutout on 106 pitches. His first complete game, the most pitches he's ever thrown, a career high for strikeouts, um, earned him co-SEC Pitcher of the Week, only because somebody else threw a two-hit complete shutout. Um, I think one hit is less than two, and maybe you shouldn't have had Co. But I'm fine with both guys being honored uh, for, for their spectacular, phenomenal outings. Uh, and then Florida splits the doubleheader on Friday um, with an eight-seven win, a three-six loss in the finale. Big game. Following that at FSU, the Gators are down all game long. Eighth inning comes and Florida State falls apart. The Gators take advantage. A 9-5 win. Uh, Brandon uh, Brandon Neely gets the save in that game. And, and really just a, a continued dominance for Florida. They have now won 20 of the last 24 meetings between them and Florida State. Um, just a tough, tough night to be a knoll. You're celebrating for seven-plus innings. And then the bottom falls out. Uh, the Gators will will travel to Ole Miss this week. And, and it's always interesting. Your first road game. Florida's played 20 of their first 23 games at home. And now you're at Florida State and at Ole Miss for three. So how do you handle your first road week? How do you handle your first road SEC series? Um, big question. Obviously, Ole Miss uh, lost their opening weekend series. They're defending national champions, though. Lost a bunch of pieces from that team. How does Florida handle uh, this weekend away before coming home, uh, you know, for a – or not even coming home, playing at in Jacksonville next Tuesday um, against the Knowles, trying to take the series against the Knowles. But Florida's uh, hitting really well. Josh Rivera, I can't say enough about what he's done. He was a 250, 260 hitter for his first three years on campus, leading the team with a 417 average, leading the country with 37 RBIs. Josh has become a leader on this team, both with his play and vocally. Um, really cool to see his progression 
um, into uh, you know this, which is his fourth year on campus. And obviously, uh, you know, coming up with their first SEC road trip at Ole Miss, uh, going to be a, a tough test for the Gators. But this is a Rebels team that um, did not have a great start uh, to open SEC play. So uh, we'll see how the Gators handle thing uh, handle things on the road. And want to wrap up this show again by giving a shout out to the uh, uh, gymnastics team sweeping SEC SEC titles. They won the regular season title and then they went out to the um sec championship meet and they won that as well only the fourth team in uh sec history to sweep both the regular season and championship meet trophies um florida uh of 2002 did it last year and then lsu uh did it uh back to back in 17 and 18 and look trinity thomas i mean it just goes without saying nick i mean she she is one of the greatest athletes in UF history, point blank period. Um, I mean, she's, dare I say, top five all time, definitely top ten. I mean, it's just incredible. Uh, I, obviously, I we don't cover gymnastics full time, but we, we tune in and we go out to the events when we can. And, and just being able to see the show that her and her teammates have put on this year uh, – Man, if, if we had it in our budget, Nick, I'm tempted to go out there for the uh, national championships and, and see this team compete because I think they got a chance to win it all. Um, but uh, definitely want to give them their due because it's incredible, this run that they've been on. Absolutely. Um, when when you got all of these uh, women to come back for their, their COVID years for another year, this was their goal. Whether they wanted to say it or not, you know, they were so close, I think within a, a – hundredth or a thousandth of a point of winning a national championship last year their goal was to come through and win it this year um so certainly winning the sec regular season title is nice winning the tournament is nice they have bigger aspirations they do they do and now they got to go out there uh to uh uh pittsburgh and and take care of business so uh Wish them the best of luck, and um, that'll do it for this week's show. We appreciate Dr. Kevin Farmer for joining us this week to uh, talk about his award and his job with the Gators. Um, definitely congratulate him on that. And uh, we've uh, on to another Nick or another week, Nick, as we follow this Florida football team through spring camp. We see uh, where things are at with baseball, and uh, this time next week we'll be getting ready for Florida's pro day inside the indoor practice facility. So uh, we'll see you guys. Next week, for Nick Del Torre, I'm Zach Albaverde.